captain on the bridge of a large naval vessel saw a light ahead on a collision course. And so he signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south. This is the reply that came back. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain signaled back again. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a captain. The reply came back. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman, third class. Well, now the furious captain signals back, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. The reply, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> Today, Paul is going to turn our attention to the subject of authority. He's going to say to us today, in order for us to truly live out the new purpose in our life, now that we are in a relationship with God, we need to learn how to live under the authority structures that God has set in place. We've been camping out at mile marker number four for the last few weeks where Paul is addressing the subject, now that we are followers of Christ, what is the new call or the new purpose that God has on us? And today we come upon a very important one. God wants us to know who he has placed in charge. And there are days when we might feel like a mighty battleship, but lighthouses trump battleships every day of the week. Now, if you are interested in seeing right on the pages of God's Word instruction about this subject today, I'm going to encourage you to take your Bibles and hold them high over your head as we say this prayer every week before we pray and go through the Word of God together. Let's say it together. Dear Lord, your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We take this journey together down the Romans road, knowing the destination is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. And as you're turning there, I want to let you know that what Paul is going to do today is he's going to ask us to identify and then to accept the authorities that God has set in our lives. Now, if you're there, look at verses 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is a rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, when you study the whole of the Bible or the whole of the scriptures, you see that God has established somewhere around seven authority structures for our lives. I'm going to put up an illustration. I want you to take a look at it, and you'll see how, it, at least I think it works. At the very center of all authority is God. Everyone finds their authority from God. And then around God, there are six other structures that I believe the scripture says he has put in place for our benefit. There are elders who have authority over the church. There are husbands who are watch, or to watch out over their wives. There are parents who have authority over their children, employers who have authority over the employee, a teacher who has responsibility over the student, and finally, look carefully, there is the government who has been given authority by God to provide leadership for the people in the boundaries of their land. The main action step for us to grab a hold of, if we love the word of God and trust it, 
is to not only identify these structures and accept them intellectually, but then to go to the next step and to actually submit to them in our daily lives. Now there's a Dutch psychologist by the name of Hofstede who did a, a study to determine a thing called power distance index. Power distance index or PDI. Power distance is concerned with our attitudes toward hierarchy. Specifically, how much a particular culture values and respects authority in their lives. Now countries with a high power distance index is a country who has a high regard for authority and very seldom bucks the system. Countries with a low PDI, a low power distance index, are countries that struggle with authority and are oftentimes challenging them. Now, after the study was released, I want you to ask and answer the question, turn to your neighbor and give what you think is the right answer. Where do you think the United States of America fell on the study? High PDI or low PDI? Turn to your neighbor and take your best guess. You think you got the right answer? You may be wrong. Let me start off by putting the countries who uh, had the highest PDI uh, in our world today. Let's put them up. Here they are. Brazil, South Korea, Morocco, Mexico, and the Philippines. I don't see the United States of America. Now let me go to the very bottom of the list and see if we find her. Oh, there we are. The United States, we share a low PDI in our DNA with uh, Ireland, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Now, this is not all bad because one of the things that this study helped um, was to reduce the number of airplane crashes that were happening in high PDA, uh, PDI countries. See, here's what happens. There were a number of, uh, maybe a few years ago, you remember this, in South Korea, a number of airlines that crashed. And what they determined was that the first officer had all of the information about the danger that was looming for them, but because they're in a high PDI country, felt it very uncomfortable to challenge the captain's decision. And as a result, the planes crashed. Now in America, we don't have as many plane crashes because we don't have any problem getting in the captain's face and telling him how the cow ate the cabbage. And that's good when it comes to airplane travel. But when it comes to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, this is where our brand of folks struggles. But we must trust in God's word. He's never made a bad call in our life. Now the passage today is going to look exclusively at our relationship with government. And here's the deal. Even though we have a low PDI, low power difference or distance index, we are very proud of our country. We feel very deeply about the place that we live. We feel very strong and convicted about how this country got started. We feel very strong about our military and how they protect our borders. We are very proud of this country and still declare it as the greatest place on earth to live. And we are a grateful people for that, aren't we? I know I am. Low PDI and all. I, I, I may struggle with low PDI, but I got some high pride in this country. You see, in Paul's day, there were major clashes between the values of the Roman government and that of Christians. 
And the question became, how do we relate to our government in light of these clashes? Now, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but it is in my opinion that as great as this country is, that is becoming increasingly an issue for us. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. I want you to look at verse 4 and discover why God put these leaders in place to begin with. Verse 4, for he is God's servant to do you good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Now, as you study this passage, as well as other passages, both in the Old and New Testament, you see that every nation that has ever existed in history, in the present, or in the future, exists because God ordained it. We learn in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, that he raises up nations and he tears them down according to his timing and according to his purpose, because God is at the center of all authority. We also learn in this passage, as well as others, that government leaders, kings, and presidents, and governors have all been put in the place that they are, either because they have been personally appointed by God in his oversight, or he has at least allowed it. And we here in the scriptures, we see many times that God has lifted up kings, and he has taken them out according to his timing and according to his purposes. Now this passage of scripture is teaching this that all rulers, Christian or not, are ultimately under the authority of God. Whether they know it or not, or whether they like it or not, at the end of the day, they are all under the authority of God. If you read through many of the Old Testament stories, you see this to be the case. But let me show you just one. If your Bibles are still opened to Romans, turn back to chapter 9 and look specifically at verse 17. Verse 17. Listen to what Paul says. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Now we know that Pharaoh did not fall down and worship the God of the Bible. As a matter of fact, Pharaohs of Egypt thought they themselves were God. And yet God is saying to Pharaoh, I appointed you to be the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt at just the right time so that I could display my power and make my name known through the staff of Moses as he led the children of Israel out of slavery from your bondage. He's saying, I put you there, Pharaoh. You think you're a bad dude, but I'm the one who ultimately put you there to do exactly what I wanted you to do at exactly the right time. As a matter of fact, the word that Paul uses is God's servant or God's servants. And this is a term used in other places to refer to a table waiter. So what that means is that President Obama and Governor Perry are on their best days table waiters for God. That's how the scriptures talk about it. And this is a compliment coming from the lips of God. They are in place to serve up God's purposes, whether they know it or not, or whether they like it or not. And the job description has been given to them in this passage, and it is expanded in other passages. They are to incentivize or to reward when the constituency does good. 
and they are to restrain and even punish when the constituency does evil for the sake of the other constituents. And they are also to do it to the best interest of the people that they are serving. As a matter of fact, Christian leaders get our clue from the principle of Jesus when he said that Christian leaders know not to lord their leadership power over the people that he or she serves. The role model is Jesus Christ himself. In all other kingdoms, the king sent out the people to die to save the king. But only with Jesus, the king, does he send out himself to die to save the people. And if we had more leaders in place that took on that mantle, followership even in a country like United States, our PDI level would go up. But you say, Randy, Randy, what does one do when authority isn't looking out for what is right or looking out for the best interests of the people that they serve? I'd like to give you four suggestions to ponder. You might even want to write them down. Number one, remember they are accountable to God for their actions. They have been given their ideal job description here in Romans chapter 13, and they're going to be held accountable for how they executed that under God's authority. That is God's job to hold them accountable. Therefore, we are not given a license to commit wrong on the basis of their wrong. Romans chapter 12, 17 through 21 gave us that principle last week. Number two, work within the rules to bring about change. And this is where we have great opportunity in this country because our government structure allows and even encourages us to get involved, to vote, to petition, to write letters, to seek office ourselves, or to support someone we believe in. Woe to the person who says they deeply believe in the convictions and the foundation of this country and yet does not take opportunity to make a difference by being involved according to the rules that have been given to us. Number three, listen carefully, rebel. Rebel and suffer the punishment. You say, what are you talking about? The scripture teaches us in the Old and New Testament that whenever any authority in our life instituted by God directly invites or even seeks to force us to do what is clearly wrong in our own lives according to the word of God, we are to say no and be willing and openly to suffer the consequences. Let me give you a couple of examples. Remember when Peter and the other disciples and apostles went out to finally uh, share the good news of Jesus Christ and how that, that Christ's uh, work on the cross is available to forgive everyone's sin regardless of your past. And the religious authorities of that day came to Peter and said, you stop that. You stop talking about this Jesus now or else. I don't know if you remember what Peter said, but it's recorded in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. He said to them, we must obey God rather than men. History tells us that ultimately Peter suffered the consequences and they hung him upside down because he was not willing to shut up about Jesus and he died for it. 
Let me give you another example in the life of a man, young boy named Daniel, at the age of 16, was deported from Jerusalem to Babylon to be trained to serve as a government official under the Babylonian Empire. As the story fast forwards, we find that King Darius is now king, and the king decides that for at least the next 30 days, everyone should bow down and should pray only to King Darius. Well, Daniel got the memo. He knew uh, that this 30-day decree was in place. And Daniel also read in the memo what the consequences were for a person who was unwilling to bow down and pray only to King Darius. They would be thrown in a den of hungry lions. But it did not deter Daniel. Daniel openly went to his home and opened up his windows and he faced towards Jerusalem, his home, and three times a day, he faithfully only bowed his knee to the God of the Bible. And he got in trouble for it. He rebelled, and he was thrown without any resistance into the lion's den. And we know that on that day, God shut up the mouth of the lion because Daniel did not shut up his mouth about who his God was. And we see a decree that Darius makes the next day. A decree that everyone should fear and revere the God of Daniel. Here's the fourth recommendation for you. Remember that whatever happens now, as discouraging as it may be, whether the country is United States or any other nation in the world, it does not change the ultimate outcome of how our story ends. Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Look on the screen with me. This is what Paul writes in this passage. That should bring us great encouragement that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, if you're not familiar with the study of Scripture, Paul is referring to a day that is coming at the end of the Romans road, a day when all followers of Jesus who have ever walked the earth, past, present, and future, will be standing with a sea of humanity, including those who have rejected him. Abraham and Moses will be there. Peter and Paul will be there. I'm not referring to the musicians, even though they will be there as well. Muhammad and Buddha will be there. Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama will be there. Hitler and Stalin will be there. And all together in grand unison, those who received him in this life and those who rejected him in his life will all be standing together. And in unison, we will declare by bowing our knee that Jesus Christ, in fact, is the King of Kings. That is how our story ends. No matter how difficult it may be today, that is how our story ends. God will write every wrong of every person in authority in our lives. Now I want you to look at verses 6 and 7. This is also why you pay taxes. He's meddling now. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. As in all the passages we've studied so far, Paul is going to give us practical things to consider and to do in relationship to the principle that we have learned. 
I love the old story that's told of the man who had not paid all of his taxes owed to the IRS that year. However, every night he went to bed, he couldn't sleep because he felt so much guilt. So one night he got up and he wrote a note to the IRS. Dear IRS, I did not pay you all the taxes I owed you and have been having trouble sleeping at night. Please accept this check for $500. If I still can't sleep, I will send you the rest. (laughs) I never get tired of that old joke. But the truth is, taxation isn't much of a laughing matter for many of us today. I woke up this morning and on the news, this is the primary subject at hand. The grassroots movement, the grassroots movement of the Tea Party testifies to a growing frustration that many Americans have in this issue. $13 trillion in debt and growing aggravates us. Government programs that cost millions of dollars and yet yield so little good frustrate us as we write our tax checks. And we all have different opinions about how to think about such things. But one thing that all Christ followers are unified on because it is black and white in the scriptures is that we are unified on paying the taxes that are owed. Now believe me, if there was a hidden passage of scripture tucked away in some obscure book of the Old Testament like Leviticus, Haggai, or Habakkuk, I promise you I would have found it by now and been the first to tell you about it. We have a spiritual loophole to paying taxes, but it just ain't there. And so therefore, we obey and we trust God. But here's the deal. I believe that probably most people in this room are adhering to that principle. If not, you need to call the guy with the red beard because they're coming after you. You know that commercial? But I think the bigger issue is what Paul says next. Here is where I think we struggle the most. Respect and honor. I love the story, the Christmas Carol, the book, the play, the movie. Remember the night that that the father came home and announced to the family that Ebenezer Scrooge was going to make him work on Christmas Day, and all the family began to rag Ebenezer Scrooge and talk bad about him, but the father stopped them and led them to show honor and respect for the man and his position, the man who employed his family even though he was being incredibly bah-humbuggish at the time. I think this is what Paul is calling us to do for our government leaders in seasons where we feel like they're being a bit bah-humbuggish. Woe to the parent. Woe to the grandparent who shows a lack of respect and honor for the offices that God has established. Woe to the parent. Woe to the grandparent who openly shows a lack of respect and honor for the people in those offices. Debate the issues rigorously as you should. Think with your mind and open scriptures, but do so in a way that maintains utter respect and honor for the office as well as the person sitting in the office. And I'll tell you why. Because if your kids 
and your grandkids watch you show disrespect and honor for someone in authority in your life, they're going to dial in and say, it must be okay to also show disrespect and honor for my parents. Got it? One more thing. Just because authorities give you and I the liberty to do wrong doesn't mean we are free before God to do it. Just because the authorities give you and I the liberty to do wrong does not mean that you and I are free before God to do it. If there is a government program that is intended in spirit to help certain people and you have found a loophole on how to use that program not really intended for you but to take advantage of it for your sake, we say, no, I'm not going to do that. If the government says to you that it is legal and therefore in your mind okay to have an abortion, I just need to let you know that God does not say that it is okay. And just because the government says it's okay doesn't mean that followers of Christ have been given the, pr the freedom to do it. If in our school systems they start passing out these little things telling you that if you're going to do that, you should use one of these. Just because they say that, maybe to protect us from diseases, but in your mind you're thinking, these people in authority are saying it's okay to do that, just when you do, use one of these. I'm here to tell you the word of God is clear on this matter. You don't need to use one of these because you can't do that until you stand up here. That's what the scripture says. It is in our nature to say to an oncoming light, alter your, degree, alter your course 10 degrees south, I am an American. But if you hear back this reply, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am God, I strongly recommend compliance because God has never steered us wrong yet. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.